Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where each week we climb the stairway to hospitality heaven. This week, our guest is Chicago's very own chef, Bill Kim. Bill is a very cool guy, a generous guy with his knowledge. He's had a long career in fine dining. He's worked under a lot of big names. Like Jean Bonchet and Charlie Trotter. That's right. Two stints with Charlie Trotter. Yes, yes. Um, He's also a pioneer in the shift from fine dining into a more casual concept with Urban Belly. Yeah, when Urban Belly opened in 2009, it was kind of the first wave of those fast casual concepts with a real chefy backbone. Yeah, early adapter to Avondale too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so without further ado, here's our conversation with Chef Bill Kim. Financial uh, restrictions. Yeah. Right? So it was a thousand square feet, all in the whole thing, kitchen and. That was my first oh. experience with your with your food and everything. Yeah. Well, Same, yeah, I loved it. So was that technically Avondale? It, I think it was, was Avondale. I think that was the first time I went to Avondale was to go there, and then yeah. I think me too. And and it was basically it used to be an old taqueria um, back in the day, and it was closed for a long time, and the secret sauce is. My brother's father-in-law owns that whole strip mall. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, what does your brother do? The smart guy. (laughs) He's in IT. Okay. He's been IT for over thirty years. Oh wow. And it's basically, he's like, "Hey, would you want to put something there?" I'm just like, "Really? Do I?" And I had, (laughs) and I wasn't even looking. What were you doing at the time? I was running Leilan, and we just opened up a restaurant called Soul in Clarendon Hills, okay? wow. which is crazy. We had high-powered um, chefs, uh, one from New York, from Gramercy Tavern. Hmm. Oh, nice. Right? Her name is Karen Nicholas, and we had a pastry chef, very unknown. Her name was Stephanie Prada. Wow. And she you know, went on and went to uh, Manresa. She wow. became the pastry chef there. That's then cool. she went to New York and to run the Carbone Group uh, pastry team. Hmm. So she had a pretty good team. Yeah, yeah, really good. And guess what happened? Two thousand nine, we were open for like eight months. Boom, done. Yeah. Uh, then during that time, you know, I I actually came back to Chicago from the East Coast, spending ten years, and I, you know, kept on saying to people like hey, I want to open up something that I felt comfortable and I wanted my friends and family to be able to enjoy. And I also wanted cooks to enjoy. First and foremost, because I know what it felt like to be a cook, not having any money. And usually you had to wait until dinner time to eat at a nice place or affordable place. And the cooks, you know, we wake up sometimes one o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. want to eat, yeah. and there's nothing for us. So Urban Belly is open from 11 to 9, yep. all the way through. So we had everybody from the industry come, especially the beer makers, the, the brewers. Hmm. So we had Jonathan Cutler, uh, all the guys from Three Floyds, Greg Hall when he was still at Goose Island, hmm. uh, Gabe from Half Acres. Like, oh. it, you know, I'm not a... 
I'm not a huge drinker, but all, I, I saw all these people with gigantic beards. I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> I had no idea. But every time they came, they brought growlers of fresh brewed beer. And I'm just like, okay. I mean, not like our guys don't drink too much. So it's like we had all these growlers all the time. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember those seats, those like wooden, you know, just essentially blocks of wood. Yeah. They were so, great. The crazy thing is, right? The money that we spent was not in the kitchen. Yeah. And not in any of the construction. It was the furniture. That blocks of that wood. Yeah. That was a railroad tied from Thailand. It's an antique. Oh whoa. Wood. Cool. Where and are those, they now? Um I think did we we actually gave those away. Wow. $10,000 a piece. What? Oh God. <laughs> what? Is that, is that yeah. because of the shipping from Thailand or is that? It, it wait, each made. one, each yeah. seat? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. Way. yeah. yeah. And, and those door, or they're actually tables, but they're antique Chinese elm trees that were part of a door and they made those for us. They're called Golden Triangle. They actually moved from River North to Grand Avenue now. Um, Doug and Schworn, they're awesome people. And just being able to collaborate with furniture makers. and It was a really cool space. Yeah. And, and my sister-in-law, Yasmina, helped design it. My wife ran the front of the house. My wife, who grew up in this neighborhood, my mother-in-law's right by Schofflaw. Um, she's two blocks. She's in Palmer Square. Oh, she's wow. been there for 30 years. Nice. So pretty. Yeah. My... My mom had a dry cleaners in the early 80s in West Humble Park. And, you know, <laughs> I was talking to my wife yesterday. She's like, what? I used to hang out there. And this place used to be the old bodega where they used to shop. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Exactly. We have I the didn't picture of the storefront in the bathroom. It's pretty cool yeah. to see. Yeah. Um, so wow. I have very close ties to this neighborhood. And to this day, I probably pass by this place. Probably like four times a week, five times a week, <laughs> just because I'm dropping my mother-in-law off or we're coming here, go right down the street, go to La Bamba, go have pasteles. Yep. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Wait, so where do you live? I live, this is, it's really good karma. I live at the old produce distribution center in Chicago. It's, it's in Pilsen. Okay. Um, but when I was a young cook, I used to go there to pick up um, produce. Hmm. And there was only one place most of the chefs went. His name is Tom Corneal. And he would he was the only one who would let us actually go downstairs, pick our produce, load it up, and take it to the restaurant. Wow. So full circle. Full circle. And and when I came back from the East Coast, I was looking around. I bought myself something and I'm just like, okay, this is cool. Then I was driving around. I saw this place being built. And it was 16 years ago and never moved from there. Wow. I, I love it. So wow. they converted it to loft 16 years yeah. ago? Yeah. Whoa. That's such a cool area. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, we spoke with, uh, with Lily from Nine Bar and just, just being on that, in that side of town is just, I, I'm kind of jealous. I've never I, gotten to live down there. I, I don't like when people go, oh, come to Lincoln Square. Like my radius <laughs> is West Loop. And to the west and probably to the lake, 
yeah. that's where I kind of. It's know, a sweet well. area. Yeah. It's so yeah. much cool stuff in that pocket. Yeah. Um, so wait, you grew up here but you just referenced that you were in New York for some substantial period of time or on the East coast for East some coast. period of time and yeah. then came back. Yeah. So I, th I think, you know, when I was a young cook, um, I saw very early on that a lot of people who trained to be chefs or wanted to become the best cook, they kind of did the rounds of Ambria, Everstrom, um, La France, and you know, that circle just, kept going mm -hmm. exactly that way and as i you know wanted to like expand and grow um i wanted to do something different and obviously i was looking for a mentor and i was looking for somebody asian i couldn't find any um there was a gentleman named dam yamauchi who was the chef at carlos he was japanese um and he was doing french food Eventually became a close friend, um, but he was all the way in Highwood. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> do I really want to go to Highwood? It's nice, but it's too far away. And there was Jackie Shin, who had her own restaurant, was doing French food. Um, then she opened up Red Light eventually, but they had a common theme. They all work at French restaurants. So... Um, I wanted to work for those people that they did. So when I was going to culinary school, I had this book called The Greatest Chefs in Chicago. And there was probably like 13 of them. And I just kept on reading that book and I'm mm. just studying everything about them. Like it was like a back of a baseball card. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, if I, if I could do this, hopefully I could, you know, be somebody like these guys. And I got to work for, for three of them in that book hmm. and you know and having the french training i there's a gentleman named john Bonchet, which the awards are named after mm -hmm. um you know he moved on he went to atlanta when i graduated school and uh, i wanted to work at la francais i went there talked to the chef did him do a slash talked to him it's like what do you want to do? I said, I want to travel and I want to work hard where I want to, wherever, you know, I land, I want to do that. He didn't hire me. Mm. He didn't hire me for that reason, because I think travel was one. He was afraid that I was going to just take off. Yeah. So I'm like, I was like, F it. So I'm just going to go down to Atlanta and go work for the guy that I was supposed to go work for. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. is this right after Kendall? Yeah. At Day after graduation. Wow. Hmm. I drove, me and my brother drove and just, he thought he had a job for me. So I was just like, I'm, I'm moving all the way. I'd, I've never moved out of Chicago. Didn't know anything about Atlanta. Only thing I knew, I had a part-time job working for Banche. Wow. So cool. Yeah. So. What was that like? Um, crazy. My... <laughs> I have this phobia about birds. It, it's the craziest thing. And the feathers, I don't, I don't like feathers. If I see a pigeon, I will go to the other side <laughs> of the road. I just, I've actually uh, read about, like, this has come up kind of recently, but go on with that. Is, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So my very first job, my very first task, he gives me a box 
and it was squabs with feathers. Oh, no. <laughs> and I, I've never seen squabs with feathers on. <laughs> and it's all white with red beady eyes. Oh. And it was about probably 99 degrees. <laughs> and here I am plucking the feathers without like, without saying anything. I just like, just started plucking. I'm just like, and I was getting queasy. I was just like, oh God. And my next job right after that, I was, then I had to torch it to get the paint pin feathers out. Oh yeah. So that was a nightmare. You could smell like Ugh. roasting flesh in your like fear factor. Oh my did god! Did you get, did that help you get over that? Uh, no, it <laughs> <laughs> just made it worse. No. <laughs> then um, right after he gave me a whole case of lamb racks, and the first thing I did is like punctured myself with a bony knife. Oh. And of course, it's my first day, so I'm like having you know putting pressure on my like oh. palm oh my and i God. didn't say anything <laughs> and i'm bleeding <laughs> so i'm just like oh my god like i can't say anything and um i had the best time but also um i learned how to work i yeah. mean so he gave me part time then um i had so much time i'm just like hey chef can I come in and see you work? And he's just like, ah, I don't know. He used to come at five in the morning, make all the sauces so nobody saw what he did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time people come in, all the sauces were made. So I'm just like, you know, he's known for his sauces and he's, mm. uh, you know, it's very, very silky. And I'm just like, I have to learn. So I just, just force myself to just come in and just uh, come. And all I did, all I did was strain sauces for like eight hours. Well, that's my, your starting sauces. Yeah. So my hmm. record, my claim to fame in that restaurant, I broke eight plastic spatula, rubber spatulas, because he will not let you push it through with the ladle. So you just have to tap. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we I'm kind of similar. I mean, <clears throat> nothing as high end as that. But when we are straining citrus, like some people are the ones that are like forcing it through. Yeah. But I was always the tapper, even yeah. though it took a lot longer. Like I didn't want to press through any of that pulp. Yeah. And but you probably like, don't have the upper body strength anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't. Yeah, I didn't true. either. <laughs> so just like left, right, left, right. And, you know, eventually the force of just tapping yeah. You break spatulas, but yeah. wow. you know, I'd learned um, how to to have that work ethic because I just wanted to just completely immerse myself in learning the sauces and mastering something that I could be proud of that a lot of people didn't didn't get a chance to work with. Yeah. yeah, he must have thought pretty highly of you to allow you to be there. Free labor. Free labor. <laughs> it's it's free labor, and uh, it really. Um, he didn't know my name for the first six months. <laughs> yeah. That was a power trip. He knew your yeah. name. He just yeah. wouldn't use yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, were did you notice anything that he was doing with regard to sauces that you had no idea about, or that was you know innovative or something? A f funny thing, he would tell me to get something, then he would have this thing in his hands. And he would never 
he would call it magic. But it was <laughs> bass. Yeah. <laughs> Chicken bass or, you know, veal bass to kind of, yeah, to kind of like intensify the flavor a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he would never show me that part. He didn't want you to know no, that he no. was putting bait. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. It wasn't a lot because, you know, he did the traditional roasting of the bones. And, yeah. But I'm just like, man, how's he get it so silky and so tasty? <laughs> and Magic. I, yeah. And one time we actually see him. Sim, seeing him in action because he invited Pobo Coos to the restaurant. Wow. And because uh, he, he, there were buddies and they would hang out. So he would, he would go, somebody get me the magic. And he was like, you know, he had the white clogs, the wooden white clogs and big apron. He had the hat. So he would be running, you hear his clogs. And he's like, give me that magic. And he would just throw it. And he was so pissed off because somebody screwed it up. So he put that in there. And we're just like, oh, that's what he puts in there. So we found out his secret a little bit that day. Oh, because Paul Boku showed yeah. up. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Wow. So there's there's very specific criteria for the Vanche Award. What is it? You have to do like an entree, an appetizer, and a drink under 40. Is that what it is? Has that changed for inflation? Yeah, I think, I mean... No, I think you're thinking of the um, you're thinking of the Bib Gourmand. You're right. You're right. Oh, I'm yeah. just like yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, sorry, Tim. Sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Bill Kim has won Bib Gourmands as well. Yeah, um, that's. What, no. Do you do you know what what it, it it is? It's like it's a. The funny thing though is that like Urban Belly got it. Belly Shack did Belly Shack also. We get we had both. Yeah. yeah. So like, but neither. Yeah, neither really had alcohol, right? No. no so yeah, you. No so it wasn't. So the drink thing is like not. Okay. Not. Re- so it's. I've a, heard so it's what, what you're an saying. Entree and appetizer. Yeah. yeah, I think it's. You just have to be at a certain price point, but I think that it's. I don't know that it's like super strict. I think it's just no. that you're considered more affordable. Exactly. And that people Uh-oh. could yeah. come to you, and yeah, it's not going to stress your bank account. Yeah. Um And that yeah, you're providing a great value, great food, great service. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think. I, I love the accolades part of it, the recognition of restaurants, not a individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that really, you know, a lot of time makes or breaks a restaurant. But now I think with, you know, with social media, with a lot of other things that, mm-hmm. you know, give credit to to restaurants and it's difficult, right? It's difficult. Who who gets it? Who doesn't? And you know, right now we're we're all, you know, me and my wife we talk about this all the time. We're all at the ground level. Nobody could say I'm doing better than somebody else. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. Yeah. No, no matter who you are, no matter if you three stars or a bib gourmand, it doesn't matter because we're all struggling the same way as everybody else. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so after working in Atlanta, like how long did you stay in Atlanta? One year. Ex- exactly. <laughs> wow. I was, I was actually, just, I'm dating myself. I, I wanted to stay for the Olympics. Okay, cool. Didn't, oh, yeah. didn't get to do that. Um, I left, but here, here's the craziest thing. And another, another thing that I'm dating myself. So when you work for Banchet, he gives you a letter of recommendation. And that is one of my prizes that I have. Yeah. And uh, how long do you have to work for him to get it? I mean, one year, I guess. You had to work one year. I, 
I think I worked like 11 months and like se- like seven weeks or something. Yeah. But, um, you know, he was always nice to me and he actually followed me in my career. And um, I actually, right after working for Bonche, I came to uh, Chicago to talk to Don Yamauchi and there was a gentleman named Michael Smith. Um, he worked at Gordon's and I wanted to work for those two because, you know, I, I knew about them and, and they both, I asked them both. I staged at both restaurants and I basically asked them, Hey, if you were young, didn't care about how much money you were making and you wanted to just learn, they both were very honest with me. They said, go to this restaurant. Oh. So were, were they both in that book? Um, no. Um, but they made, they gave me a great advice because that restaurant made my career. Wait, what? And what? Eight, it's 816 West Armitage. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Charlie Trotters. Trotters. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, I, you know, when I got there, they just started writing their first cookbook. Wow. So and, here's, sorry, yeah. real quick. Yeah. You went to both of these chefs mm-hmm. who obviously you knew about and respected. Mm-hmm. What made, what put them on the radar and how come Charlie Trotter's wasn't a place that you also went to stage and evaluate? Um, I didn't think I was, you know, I didn't, I, I knew I worked hard. Yeah. I didn't think I was that caliber. Okay. So you knew it, Charlie Trotters was on your radar. You knew of it. It just wasn't. Yeah. I wanted more traditional. I wanted something okay, that, you know, I knew French food. I didn't know American food, um, except going out to getting Italian beef and hot dogs, <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> yeah. things like that. But um, I just wanted to learn from people that were going to teach me. Okay. Um, when I went there to go stage at Trotters the first time, you know, obviously I had the Bonchet letter. I was ready to like, here. <laughs> <laughs> and back then he, he had retired. So nobody worked for him, uh-huh. but I, I got to work for him in, in Atlanta and, you know, he didn't have a restaurant oh, for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I think when Charlie saw the resume and well, the letter, he's like, you know, Let's, let's see what he could do. And the kitchen wasn't the kitchen. It was just a regular kitchen with, oh. you know, regular stove uh, once the book came out. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, because it was in a house. Yeah. It was basically straight up set up like a house. Yeah. And, you know. Wow. He, <laughs> That's insane. It's like Zaragoza all yeah. over again. Yeah. <laughs> so it was we, just like a regular kitchen. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... With it one was stove? Nice. How many burners on that thing? Oh, no. It, I mean, it was a full-blown kitchen, but it wasn't the Bonet kitchen okay, that g- everybody's okay, accustomed it. to, got right? It, okay. um, but, you know, there were times where we had to, like, uh, jerry-rig so our sauces wouldn't slowly go down because <laughs> it was, you know, not level. Yeah. Um, we did have a small walk-in. Okay. Um, when we did the renovation, no walk-in at, at a fine dining restaurant, no walk-in. Hmm. Everything had to be um, flown in. So another thing, I'm 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 only fifty-three. So don't everybody's probably thinking like he's an old man. <laughs> you were just very young doing all this cool stuff. Yeah. So um, 
I had two cordless phones, right? Back in the day before cell phones. Yep. Uh, this is after I spent a year and was ready to leave to actually go to Korea. And Charlie opened up Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So half his crew that's been with him moved to Vegas. And I was the odd man out. I, I wasn't, I would have loved to go to Vegas, but I didn't get asked. So I was, okay, I'll stay in Chicago. Did he move out to Vegas too, or did he just no checked in from on Chicago? Yeah, or... checked. Yeah. He, he had his sous chef that's been with him for like eight, nine years running it. So trusted them. Yeah. But I was, at that time, I was 26. Hmm. And I just wanted to go to Korea. I wanted to go to Asia and learn. I actually, with my mom as my interpreter, called one of the hotels and said, hey, my son would like to work here because I'm not fluent. I have to kind of forget my native language to learn another. So that was very hard. And I still, when I talk to my mom, it's broken English and Korean together. So um, she, you know, she called this uh, chef or uh, general manager hotel in Korea. And I had a job completely lined up and ready to go. Hmm. And, um, Charlie asked me, say, would you like to, to run this kitchen? I've never been a sous chef, been a line cook for two years. Was not even a sous chef at all. And I don't know what, what he saw, but he's just like, would you like to run this kitchen? I was just like, uh, no. I was like, no. <laughs> no. I was like, no. I said, I'm not ready. Yeah. So this is why you didn't get the invitation to Vegas, is he had bigger ideas for you? No, no, I don't think so. I think I was just kind of the odd man out. I was the most senior person after yeah. everybody's left. And um, so... I mean, Tim could be right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Well, yeah. He seems like a pretty cal- seemed like a pretty calculated yeah. guy. So, you know, then like the last week, he's just like, just telling me, hey, this is a chance of a lifetime. You running this kitchen, we will help you. Um, would you want, I know you said no, but would you want to do this? And I'm just like, you know, maybe I could do it for a year and just like do this. Let's see. And I did and everything exploded. Like Vegas opened. We did the new, new kitchen. His book launched. And his book just blew up i mean after like i I don't know how many months but you know ten thousand copies boom Hmm. then we were traveling so charlie was famous for staying in his kitchen so we we would only travel on our days off sunday monday Hmm. and we would travel sunday monday so we would do you know we would do like Columbus, and we would do Cleveland, then we would go Washington, D.C., New York. So we would literally go Sunday, Monday, come back, and go to work on Tuesday. Go to work. What was the purpose of the trips? Were you just dining, checking out restaurants? No, we were promoting the book. Oh, Uh, wow. Oh, it was a book tour. Yeah, Yeah. then book tour. And then exhibition. um, Yeah. My eyes were open widely, and I think end of that year, he's like, you know, are you ready to go on more trips? I was like, sure. He said, how many suits you have? I was just like, I own one spoke uh, sports coat. 
I didn't order. I didn't <laughs> oh, have full suit. Yeah, no pants. Yeah. He's like, I would highly recommend you get two suits <laughs> yeah, right. because we're gonna go to Europe and do a book tour in Europe. So that really blew my mind. And he had this trip planned where Emerald Lagasse was coming from the south of France, and Charlie was going from Paris to to the north, and we met up at a restaurant called Freddy Girardet in Switzerland. And that, that just blew my mind. Joiner's podcast is brought to you by Party Can. Party Can is a premium batched, large format, full flavored cocktail that uses high end liquor, real juice, real ingredients. It's all natural gluten-free it's 12 drinks in a single can and guess what that can actually floats you can take it to the beach the pool on the boat camping hiking to the game everywhere you go it is recyclable and reusable it's a party in a can and everyone's invited party can is available at multiple retailers around chicago around the country and you can always go to drinkpartycan.com to find a local store or have one shipped to you or a friend and now back to our interview what was so cool what made it so mind-blowing because that's that's charlie's chef that he like kind of emulate the restaurant oh okay so even we had a a plate called a peri and it was limoges and it's just like we used to call it the naked lady plate and Mm -hmm. um 12 o'clock on that plate would be you know a naked lady and we would know where the 12 o'clock six o'clock three o'clock nine o'clock and we would have three liners that have to match up and part of working there you have to know all the names of the plates and we had more than like 50 plates Mm, you would have to turn and know the pattern and know the name of that plate and you would have to know where six nine three Wow. So, do you still remember a lot of the plates? Oh yeah. <laughs> Are they just seared into your memory? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like a lot of a lot of the alumni, we we uh, talk about that. Yeah. So, who was with you at the time that you were there? Um, let's see. Um, Sari Zernage, right? Yeah. Um, or Sari Zernage of Worsham. Um, she was my garmage partner. Uh, Mindy Siegel was there well she was the pastry chef um the others um um crazy enough right here here here's the big name grant ackett's mm-hmm. yeah i heard of that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean you know grant did a great job um it wasn't his cup of tea and a lot of people come in there um it's it's not for them and just I was like the structure of it or structure, um, spontaneous twist and turns of the menu. And a lot of people are either regimented and can't deal with like s- certain things or that just, you know, wanted something different. Yeah. More flexible than yeah. others or was that right before Grant went to trio then? No, he went to work for Keller, Keller. after that. Yeah. Oh, right. French yeah. laundry. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I have very fond memories of him uh, working the veg station, and you know, 
I actually did two tours of duties there. Yeah. So after I left, uh, I came back. Then the lineup there was even, we had John and Karen Shields, yeah, good cooks, wow. right? Della Gossett, who's the corporate pastry chef for Wolfgang Puck. Mm. Um, who else? Marcus Glocker, who just opened up a restaurant in New York City. Uh, Justin Codley, who works at Le Burge, two-star Michelin. He was our intern. <laughs> David Lefevre was our intern my first time around, who's at Fishing with Dynamite. Yeah. And, yeah, so, you know, then obviously a lot of the other alums we know, um, Giuseppe Tentori and I ran the kitchen. Matthias Murgis was there. Um, you know, then we all know, like, Graham Elliott, Omar Cantu, um, you yeah. know, Curtis Duffy, you know, on and on and on. So, and do you still kind of keep in touch with everyone? Or are you, you know, we do. Um, Giuseppe and I are probably the closest. Yeah, we talk pretty often. Do you go into his spots? Does he, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not a the craziest thing. I cook for a living, but I'd rather be at home and yeah. just. I'm not a. I like to. To hang out with my wife, um, be with family, and when I do go, it's it's around my neighborhood. Yeah, and you know, like Boyo Express on Tuesdays and mm-hmm. Thursdays, <laughs> yeah. we have you know adobo chicken right off the the charcoal grill. Have with, you had that, Danny? No, we gotta go. Oh, it's so dude, good. The chicken's so insane. good. I would it's love so to do good. it. Yeah, then um, the Thai place by my house. Uh, it's called, um, God, it always forgets me. But I know <laughs> the two two words at the end is eat rice. Okay, got <laughs> it. Um, but it's it's delicious. Do you cook for your wife frequently? Does she cook for you? How does that? My wife claimed to fame she could burn toast, and that's her, her, <laughs> her words. Yeah, her words. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, we, we do a rotation of, we, like, we don't eat. A lot of red meat yep. at the house. So it's usually something that is ground. We like to eat ground chicken, ground pork. Uh, we'll get things from, um, what is the place on Elston? Um, keep on forgetting. Like Dirk's? Not no. Dirk's. Um, local Foods. We okay. just go there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go to Rob. A butcher and, uh, not Butcher and Larder. I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at PQM. The, yeah, PQM. Yeah. yeah. So simple things. Usually... My favorite thing is a ground chicken or pork with asparagus, lemon juice, oregano, salt, and pepper, and that's it. And maybe salad. That's, that's simple. Yeah. Usually Mediterranean flavors. That's what I always ask my wife, what do you want to eat? Mediterranean flavors. And <laughs> that's it. No right. Asian at the house. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> oh, man. What are your med spots in the city? Med spot? Yeah, Mediterranean. Mediterranean, Mediterranean. Oh. Uh, obviously, uh, Andres Tavern's like, yeah, you know, so good, so good, and I need to go there. Yeah, Dougie and I actually worked in New York together. Oh, so really? he was a line cook. I was a sous chef at Boulet. Hmm. Yeah, you know there were some great, great cooks. Uh, was it, the New York time between the two Trotters tours? Yeah, yeah, and you know I was when when I left, I asked Charlie, you know, who would you work for? In New York City, same thing that I've done with a lot of other people. He's like, go work for Great Coons. Hmm. Um, I waited three years for him to 
to open up his place. Wow. Then it didn't open, so I came back to Chicago just, you know, to visit family. Then every time I come, he would ask me to, to come to dinner, so we did. And I was like, I was like, Chef, Gray's not opening up for a while. You know, I you know, I try to get a stage at uh, Jean George. He's like, oh, you need to stage for three days. I was just like, I was like, come on. <laughs> okay. um, then, you know, I wanted to work for other people. And Charlie goes, okay, go work for Boulay. And I was, and this is after 10 years of experience being, you know, sous chef and chef de cuisine at a couple of places. I went to New York. I wanted to humble myself. And I handed my resume as a line cook. And I had been, you know, worked at some pretty good places in Philadelphia. And Boulay called me and, and said, hey, I don't know why you want to be a cook, but we might have this position open for you. I was like, okay. I go there my first day. And they didn't tell me that I got hired. And there was this guy, a tall gentleman from um, England, Paul Liberant. <laughs> He's the sous chef. And I was basically there to take his place. Mm. So, But that, did he know you were there to take? Uh, <laughs> no. So I was set up you got for, to tell him. I didn't tell him. <laughs> I didn't tell him. <laughs> yeah. So Ooh, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Give me that spatula. Yeah. Uh, man. Ginkau Eat Rice Gin is the place. Yes. Yes. For the I love, I love that place. Cool. I got to check that out. Yeah. Oh, let's put it on the you'll list. Love, yeah. You'll love that sign. Yeah. When you go there, it's like, please excuse me. There's only one person cooking. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. We do take out there all the time. Hmm. Yeah. Man, need really to that's a good secret. Yeah. I mean, 4.8 on Google reviews is pretty good. Yeah. I'm telling you, it it is like stinging. Like yeah, with love that. Acid, peppers, uh, kefir lime. I mean, it's not, it's to not toned far, down at all. Not to get too far in the weeds, but what dishes should we not miss when we do go? Oh, grandma's pork belly. Okay. Oh, yeah. Grandma's then, pork belly? Yeah. Get the mm. larb. Larb. For sure. My nice. wife could eat larb oh. every day. The sticky rice. Yeah. Yeah. And they put it in a little plastic baggie. Yeah. Awesome. The best. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So, wait, wait, there was a Philly time that you referenced now. Now yeah. I'm all confused with the chronology. Yeah. So, so after Trotters. Yep. Uh, the first, first time. time okay. <laughs> um, Charlie was pretty mad because I, I, I quit. Um, what were the circumstances of the quitting? It was probably a 16 or 17 hour day and i remember this it was like yesterday uh new year's eve new year's eve at trotters was brutal just because you would do an entire menu from scratch after service and Uh you would probably have to go pretty much all through to prep for the next day um then uh after service new year's eve there was spilled milk in the co- in the region and I didn't see it. My fault. But I'm just thinking like and you know, he was chef. He was pointing that out. And I'm just like, man, I just spent like seventeen hours and I felt my blood from my toes all the way up to my head and I fainted. Cause I held it in 
Wow. Mm. And uh, I was 28, and I felt like I could, I could do this for a very long time without. And that scared me. Scared me because... Just like holding back all that stuff. Holding back as in emotionally and also like I was tired. And, mm. you know, I would, you know, a couple times when I was driving home, this is when I was living in Rogers Park, you know, from, from Lincoln Park to Rogers Park, there was a couple times I wake up and I'm almost hitting a parked car because I fell asleep on the wheel. Mm. So. Yeah, it's then, scary. Yeah. Then, you know, even calling in orders. Sometimes I would get home at a certain time and the person on the other side taking my call would, would wake me up oh, man. <laughs> because I was so oh, tired. Oh, man, you were a zombie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'd, I'd learned so much yeah. and I didn't want to give that up because mm-hmm. I was learning. And yeah. you know, I was talking about the cell, the cell phones. I was ordering like produce from before chef garden became chef garden they would you know, send us they were doing trial runs of their vegetables can it be can people buy vegetables fedex oh crazy right it's farmer lee yeah how yeah. were they shipping them at first the, on you know, ice they were putting in foil packs but you know back then 20 20 20 years ago People didn't know how to ship things. Right? How many? Yeah, Tim, you got to go there if you haven't. It's pretty cool. Where? Yeah. To so the Chef's Garden is in Ohio. Oh, Sandusky, yeah. Yeah, and it's an incredible, insane place, and they just ship all these all all over the country. Insane yeah. stuff like huh. you know, micro micro cilantro, yeah. micro anything. Yeah. So it's and, all grown and shipped straight out of there. But yeah. like everything, yeah. it's, it's like perfect. the level of detail yeah. is insane. Yeah. So you know. That was the start, but we would get venison. We would tell the farmers to feed it figs. And that was in upstate New York called Millbrook Venison. We would have Broken Arrow Ranch from Texas to grow wild boar. Um, All the fish from the East Coast, West Coast, and Japan. So nothing was coming in to Chicago and to us. We were getting directly from east or west if there's a storm in the east coast we had the west coast to deal with we would have you know taylor shellfish from the west coast mirinelli shellfish so i mean do you want to talk about farm to table back then oh my god we would have foragers they were former prison guards that would father and son team one in seattle one in portland so one porcini season was you know over in one part the dad would pick it up and we would get fresh porcinis we would have a mushroom cooler that's just dedicated to wild mushrooms (laughs) you got got a master class just in logistics and sourcing yeah i mean (laughs) i mean that's why i had two (laughs) self not cell phone cordless phones in my back pocket and we had list of vendors of you know like 50 60 and you would have to deal with them this seems so overwhelming overwhelming but also like you develop these relationships and it's just like do you ever miss that kind of level um i don't think i miss it because i feel like i got it out of my system early on in my career 
but you're kind of one of the few people that probably knows how to execute it. Yeah. That's one. I always say to a lot of the aspiring chefs, one day, somehow, some way, somebody's going to call off or a party's going to go down. And if you're not the guy I think you are, you could, you know, we like to say there's a gentleman who passed away. His name is Reginald Watkins. It's called throw down or go down. <laughs> and we've seen a lot of people go down because they had the title of being chefs, but they've never finished their careers. And we saw it big time. And it's just like, you want to have all the criterias. So when you call yourself a chef, that you could actually do the job that you were trained to do. This podcast is brought to you by Geneva. Danny, what is Geneva? Well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. Geneva is a European spirit with a wide range of flavors and lots of personality. It always uses malt spirit and juniper and other botanicals, so some would place it somewhere between gin and whiskey. It can be floral and bright like gin or round and malty like whiskey. Whatever your preference, there's a Geneva out there for you. Even me? Even you, Tim. This campaign is financed with aid from the European Union. I mean, it seems though from, you know, from the story that you've told us uh, so far that you had uh, like kind of an innate ability to absorb a lot of complicated problems and not let it affect your work. Uh, I don't know that everyone necessarily is <laughs> equipped with the same skills. Yeah, it, I took a lot on very early on. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was the norm. I mm-hmm. thought that was something that everybody does. And... Uh, didn't seem that way as I started, you know, seeing different things. But after Trotter first time, I went to Trio pre um, after Gail and Rick Tremonto. It was Sean McLean. Um, it's probably one of my best time cooking, um, funnest time. Let's yeah. say um, we uh, because Sean and I were almost the same age. Uh, we respected each other, but we also had that competitive drive between the chef and the sous chef. So you were kind of each contributing half menu or? Oh, he was, he was the full bone chef, but mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I, I come from the Trattles background, so it was very different. So Sean let me do all the private parties. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was a talented crew. It was Sean, me, um, Paula Haney. Who's who's your mama, right? Yeah, and Della Gossett, who eventually became the pastry chef. We need to make like a family tree. Oh yeah, and yeah. do all these places. Yeah. I feel like that's never been done. But it would be so yeah. interesting to see, kind of like I, I've seen it in articles. Like they'll do one, you know, like when after Charlie had passed, like yeah, they would I, do yeah. like uh, you know he he would be at the top of the tree and they'd show kind of who came off of that. But yeah. the trees are so complex now. There's so many. Yeah, yeah. There's so much crossover. Exactly. Who would be at the other tops? No, I mean I don't. I'm just just like the history. Like maybe just the places themselves. You oh, do like yeah. Trotters yeah. who restaurant. came out of that trio. Who came out yeah. of that? You know whatever. These like hotbeds of talent. If yeah. I say whatever. Uh, That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I think it's just interesting. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We know a graphic designer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's more just like, yeah, I wish I knew. And I, it's like so it's kind of before my time. But Yeah, but the thing is, people are, are not knowing where the trees are 
from exactly a- anymore like you say trotters people are like oh what is that yeah that's uh, that's sad yeah um wow yeah so when when did the decision to go more casual come about when what, had you had enough of fine dining yeah so you know after trio i learned try to learn the business part of it uh at letters entertain you was not my cup of tea um <laughs> then uh i wanted to learn more about asian food and i basically research all over the country to find the best Asian chef in the United States. And I had to go work for that person. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to, it's called Masters in Food and Wine at Pebble. Now it's called a Pebble Beach Festival, but mm-hmm. they used to have what's called a Masters in Food and Wine. They would invite the best chefs in the country and they would come and cook there. So there were Sasura Lee and Susanna Fu, two people that I wanted to work for. Um, so I just said, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm just going to work for free for like five days. Just go. Mm-hmm. And I did. And Susser was very talented, um, but it was kind of like trotters all over again, right? Mm. That meticulous prepping. Um, Susanna Fu was very motherly and um, she was so scared to be there. And I was the only Asian person there. And she's like, why don't you, why don't you help me do these dumplings? And she's like, why don't we, because she was so scared to prep. She's like, my husband's at, you know, in, in the hotel room prepping. Why don't you come in our hotel room and prep? Because she oh, was this so is for the Pebble Beach event. Yes. Got it. Okay. Got yeah. It. yeah. So we were <laughs> okay, prepping dumplings in her hotel room. <laughs> Because she was so like scared. Yeah, she's tense. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, man, this is this is kind of cool. And she was doing like mushroom dumplings with noodles and truffles, and I'm just like, this is something that I've never seen. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So she was in Philadelphia, and and she's like, hey, why don't you come out? And you know, she let me stay at the Ritz Carlton. I'm just mm. like, hey, this is the life. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> but when I got there, oh my god, it was, it was a family-run restaurant. Even though it's f- basically twenty-five thousand square feet, three levels. Think about this: you had a basement kitchen, main kitchen, then you had a banquet kitchen, so three. Mm. Then you have also main dining room. You have a private dining room upstairs. You could, it's, it's 150 seats, but you could be divided in, into three different sections with the bar upstairs. Wow. Jeez. And what was it, it called? It was called Susanna Fu, her name. Yeah. It was a four-star Chinese restaurant. Wow. But she's professionally, she's never cooked professionally. She was a master librarian. And what? her husband had a PhD in metal studies. So it was just like... <laughs> So when I went there, she's never hired, um, you know, she had American sous chefs, but not an Asian one. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people from the East Coast, but never from the Midwest. So her kitchen was uh, Spanish, Cambodian, and also mainland Chinese who only spoke Cantonese. Mm. And she spoke Mandarin. So did they each, did each group run a different yes. kitchen there? Yeah. yeah and and nobody communicated. Yeah. So when I went there, I speak, you know, a little Spanish. I don't speak any Chinese. And 
and the sous chef that I took over for, he was from Jersey. <laughs> so he didn't speak any language. Oh, he didn't want to. <laughs> he didn't want to. He just wanted to make the money. Yeah. So we had to put everybody together and come as a team and Whoa. we got to do that. So that sounds like another cool exciting. learning yeah. experience. How long were you there? Uh, three and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. Then I went, I had to go to New York after that. Yeah. So close enough. Um, <laughs> the, the ex-wife wanted to go to New York. So she opened up Tabla. She was the pastry chef there. Um, so I got to see 11 Madison Square before 11 Madison. Uh, she got to work with F Floyd Cardoz, who passed away. Um, I met Floyd at Les Panas when, when, they were, um, when we were renovating Trotter's Kitchen. So I got to know him. So we connected. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So after, okay, then you come back to do the second tour at Trotter's. I opened my own restaurant outside oh. of Philadelphia. Oh, cool. Whoa. Yeah. So it, it happened uh, because I met a gentleman, um, Michael. He was the GM of Susanna Fu. His brother ran another restaurant. Um, his name is Mark. And um, they opened up a restaurant in Bucks County in Pennsylvania. And you want to talk about farm to table. We had orchards. We had farmers that would just bring us stuff like wild celery wild uh plums just growing hmm. and microgreens i actually went there go clip the microgreens and when it was pumpkin season you could see all the pumpkins being grown uh just you know is this along the brandywine river um like in part of bucks county it it was right by doylestown pennsylvania okay and it was on the 611. Okay. That's the big, big road. And it was, um, I'm trying to think of, uh, Lambertsville was, it's right outside of, uh, Jersey, Pennsylvania border. It was beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Whoa. So how, what, what happened with the restaurant? Oh, we were promised a coach house that would turn into a theater. Never, never happened. We were in an old mansion that was built in the 1840s. It was called the Inn on Blueberry Hill, and it was on a hill. But gorgeous property, uh, never got developed. So we're kind of, you know, it was, but what I learned that I could do so much, we, we actually had uh, a jail across the street from us. So we would do a furlough program, and we would have guys who were on furlough but they also worked in bakeries so we would have them make bread for us so it's cool it, it was it was great it was me and my sous chef that was it no prep team so and this is where i kind of learned how to like survive so when i ran there was like no expediter so you would have to expedite and cook so we would give well, I would give the sous chef, it was, it was only two employees, me and the sous chef, so he had to be the sous chef. <laughs> I would do three appetizers, and I would do like seven entrees, and he would do pastries, and he would do five entrees. How many seats? Uh, it was 80, but we never did 80. Like, if, 80, we, if we did 80 people, we'd probably have to close the restaurant. So yeah. I think the most we've done... 
like on a Mother's Day, we had to bring some people in. So, uh, but it was always you put something in the oven, you either poach it in oil or you poach it. So you're not using a saute pan. You're also throwing something in the oven. You saute for certain things, but you want to keep it limited of how much you're cooking because you have to be free in order for you to plate. So you just drop it and forget it, you know? So you're going back and forth. Hmm. Yeah. So you have to be, be able to like move and coordinate. So that, that was a learning experience. Yeah. That's not something you learned. Yeah. <laughs> Three years. Restaurants. Three yeah. years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so what was after that restaurant? Charlie called me. Okay. <laughs> he called me. It's like, You've you had enough, come back? Bill. Yeah. <laughs> come you want to come back home? I was like, yes. Yeah. Please. And then, yeah. So after that comes. Yeah. yeah. After that then comes uh, Leilan. Okay. Roland Lucioni and Arun, uh, French Vietnamese restaurant. But before I took that job was basically I told the investors, hey, let's open up a noodle shop. I'm going to do a noodle shop. They're like, no, you know, you know how to do this, so let's do this. And once you get this up and going, let's let's do the noodle shop. Noodle shop never came. Mm. Um, the restaurant wasn't doing well. Then we closed. Then um, during that time, I knew what was happening, so I was working on Urban Belly, and. It wasn't going to be called Urban Belly. It was going to be called Why Noodles after my wife. Why Noodles, you know, double meaning. But the one thing that people don't know about Urban Belly, the name itself is is very important to us because I think we didn't want anything to do with Asian. We wanted that name to mean Asian without mm -hmm. you saying Asian. Yeah. And, you know, I thought about why I wanted to cook it and I thought about my mom. So everybody, you know, everybody's born out of somebody's womb. So urban belly. So the belly is uh, something that I take great pride in. Not because everybody thinks it's because we serve pork belly. No, it's, you know, like when I saw my book, it says feed the belly from the heart. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. That's and we cool. wanted to take care of people. Yeah. In our little space. I still think about that, uh, the bowl that had the rice cakes. That's coming like, up. And the mango and the fried chicken That's on top. coming up. Is it coming back? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That was my we're, favorite we're one. We're taking it, taking it back to old school. I Love just think, that. yeah. I was talking about it in our meetings yesterday. Oh, that's coming back. We have a, our, our new chef at Scofflaw. Mm -hmm. um, he came from Kasama and he's been doing tastings for us. And we're basically going to have... Uh, a very Korean inspired mm -hmm. menu at Scofflaw. All the food will be a lot of Korean inspired yeah. dishes. So tteokbokki, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we were talking about the jajangmyeong and all uh -huh. that stuff. It's not on the menu, but yeah. I was talking to him about it. Um, but it's going to be very cool. Yeah. Anyways, love that, love that bowl. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's like my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, and so good. A lot of people uh, don't like the texture, but I, that's, you know, I always, you know, I try to go visit my mom and my dad every Saturday before work. And my mom always asks me, like, what do I want for breakfast? That's every single time. I'll, I want not the spicy version, yeah. but the mild version with uh, nori and um, 
little bit of like almost like egg omelet on top. And so if you could educate me for a second, yeah. there's obviously the sliced rice mm-hmm. cake version, but there's also the tubes. Yes. Are they both referred to as dukboki, both of them? Um, or so is that the duck dish? Bucky yeah. is the dish. Okay, got it. Duck is the cake itself. Okay. And it can um, be in any shape. Any shape. It okay. could be balls. It could be a uh, little, be in a sausage looking yeah. little mini logs. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I've seen it where it's even uh, a round cylinder, even larger than the, the oval disc that you see. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. That's such a great dish. People still to this day, like, tag me on Instagram. When are you going to have the rice cake? <laughs> yeah. When are you going to have the belly dog? When, it's like... I mean, those togarashi fries, too, are yeah. killer. And and it's, you know, like, things like like the fries. The fries are by mistake because we're like, hey, we have to raise our check average. Like, how do we get people to eat fries, Right. Then we had, I'm like, I'm not serving fries. You know, the chef came out on me. I don't want to serve fries every single day. So we did it every Wednesday. Then Wednesday came around and somebody who missed out on Wednesday, they come Thursday, where's the fries? Mm-hmm. And they get pissed and yeah. they don't leave. I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> You're like, I'll just make these. Yeah, fries. we'll just make it all the time. Yeah, they're so good. I yeah. mean, some of my favorite fries. I mean, the dip and everything. Yeah. Um. So you also had some, do you, are you still involved with Cornerstone? 100%. Okay. 100%. So that's your. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm part of it. I'm a partner. Um, and we are growing. We cool. are growing. And, um, you know, David Zadikoff, who's the CEO of the company, um, is, uh, was my um, wife's boss at one time mm-hmm. because my wife, uh, She's, she's fire. She's, she work for a lot of people. She was the first female captain at restaurant Danielle in New York city hmm. for Whoa. six years. So, um, but she worked for David Zlatikoff at MJ's on um, LaSalle back in the day. So we connected there and, um, David hired Mark, who was my business partner in Philadelphia. And, and he became, uh, the director of operation for all cornerstone mm-hmm. and that's how belly q happened because mark reached out to me say hey would you like to open up a rent uh, a restaurant on randolph street and you're and, like yes and david and i go back and also somebody approached us to go to vegas with urban belly i had no idea mm-hmm. david has uh experience at hotels so we reached out to him prior to this mm. so have you uh, interacted personally with Michael Jordan? I I have I have you know he's he's a great partner because he just lets us do yeah. what we need to do and um, you know met him a couple times um, the last All Star game uh, it was great you know got to go to uh, a lot of the functions yeah and yeah, saw him. yeah well we used to go when I was a kid it was like a big treat to go downtown and eat at michael jordan's restaurant and i always thought i'd see him eating there in like the, <laughs> Every, like the, the glass private dining room and i'm like that's got to be michael's yeah. table <laughs> where is he everybody does <laughs> uh what's his uh what does he like to eat what's his go-to order um i think he likes to eat, obviously he likes to eat steak um 
I think he likes the things that he likes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just like, okay. Like, and here I, you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy enough. Yeah. I used to live at the spot on Randolph because I, I lived above um, the Ogden, you know, that bar on Ogden. Yeah. Over by yeah. This, really just a United Center bar. And it's only, it was only busy when there were games. But, uh, yeah, my wife and I would just walk the dog over there and sit on the patio. It was like our yeah. go-to spot. And then Shan's like, yeah, they're tearing this building down. I'm like, you're kidding. It was Because it was so cool on the inside. Yeah. And now it's a... Now it's like a 40-story condo yeah. building. And Bonhomme's putting the restaurant yeah. in there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think, you know, the craziest things that happened to us, I mean, this is without, you know, we didn't have money for PR or, um, and, you know, and people think like, hey, he has a silver spoon in his mouth. And really, uh, we... When we opened up the first Urban Belly, two thousand and eight, you know, we did it with me, my brother, and my wife. That was it. There was no outside yeah. influence at all. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, during that same time, that same year, uh, Condé Nast uh, put out top fifty restaurants in the country. It was L two O, Publican, and Urban Belly. So cool. Which. In a strip mall, we <laughs> strolled, we only picked that place because yeah, your couple brother, things. Yeah. My brother, but laundromat, dry cleaners. We could wash our towels. We could wash oh, our aprons, yeah. linens, linens. Right? Yeah, it was all built in. And and then it's like 2009 Belly Shack. Um, you know, people out of all the restaurants that we have open, people tell me about that restaurant the most often. About yeah, Belly Shack. Because it was, I used you know, to live right there. And yeah. I ate there a trillion times. Asian and Latin prior to all the things. Yeah. And, you know, we take great pride in, like, me, my wife, and, you know, our sister-in-law, Yasmina, who's uber talented. She helped us with all the design, all the logos. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, the interior is always really cool. Yeah. And, and this is pre like industrial we got a lot of our stuff like in chicago like belly shack was inside outside theme yeah because i i don't skateboard but i love surfing and skateboarding because i feel like a lot of the guys just go and do their thing and i kind of want that for myself it's like let me i've studied enough because i always equate my education in cooking it's like i get my I got two degrees in cooking, went to culinary school, um, graduating from Trotters, going to New York City, having my own business. So I feel like I got my undergrad, master's, and PhD in cooking. Mm -hmm. But people still give us crap because <laughs> we're doing, you know, Belly Shack came about because if you look at Thailand and Mexico, same climates, they use same ingredients over in different forms. So why can't you meld the two together? It's pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. Call it differently. Chilies are used fresh in Thailand. And in, you know, in Latin America, they use dried. But it's the same flavors. But people don't equate to like, oh my God, why would you put this together? Yeah, it's a good point. You yeah. know, so it's that kind of kind of always trying to get something that's not canned but fresh and we could use this to replace that so 
Yeah. Well, they were uh, lovely spaces. I mean, yeah. I also yeah. loved that. I mean, for me, the coolest thing about, not necessarily the coolest, but one of the cool things about both was that they were kind of like unexpected in their locations, which is always like on my checklist. I mean, whether we're going to Chaparita or something where you go someplace and you're like, what? This place has the, you know, it's just that like surprise. And that's exactly. um, So cool. Yeah. And in Belly Q, I mean, we had the first Japanese infrared grills we actually had to hire somebody to come and approve those to, to cook at your table. Then we had these, you know, great horse dividers that, you know, my sister-in-law took pictures and we had a karaoke room. How crazy is that, <laughs> yeah. right? We would have karaoke battles with restaurants and we would do it almost like uh, the final four. And we would have restaurants kind of competing against each other. And it was we, we we wanted it to be fun. Yeah. And that yeah. room represented Chicago chefs. Who was the ultimate karaoke team? <laughs> Hands down, Ed from, uh, oh yes, Ed oh, Marjusco. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he does Facebook videos of him <laughs> karaoke. He would, he would call himself Ruben Kincaid. Yeah. And you could not call him Ed. He would not answer to you. <laughs> so he would be in that zone. Tony he was method. He was doing yeah. me- method yeah. karaoke. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> he won every single time. It's <laughs> so good. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. Choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. So here is the gratuity round. Some quick questions for you. What would be your death row meal? I mean, I would, you know, obviously it's the rice cake. That's just dear to my heart. I can't. Um, That's something that a lot of people don't know how to cook, and I would have to have that. So when when specifically is that coming back? Do you know yet? It is September 27th. Wow. Okay. Yes. I love it. That's, that's on the calendar. Danny, what are you doing on the 27th? <laughs> I'm eating this. All right, let's do it. All right. Uh, the best thing you've eaten this year? Uh, this year. Oh, God. I'm just trying to think. Um, it's the I rice don't... cake dish. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, anything at Andros, I've probably been there the most yeah. out of... Uh, any other restaurants, you know, I think I'd love the, the zucchini fries that he does. Um, and you know, anything that has olive oil and lemon and, uh, garlic is all good with me. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. What's your favorite old school restaurant? Uh, old school. Okay. I'm going to go Chinatown since I live right there, like La Chachuan with the, the, the Szechuan cabbage with yeah, you know, dry so chili good. chicken. Oh, it's like, the best. You know, that's something that... You know, Salt and pepper, uh, three delight. Yeah. So good. Um, also, you know, give a shout out to, to... I forgot what her last name is, but they used to own Phoenix. They had a, a place right by 
art place in Tri-Taylor. Uh, it was called J Court, and I think they moved it to High Park. Mm. But you know, the I think the the uncle or the dad passed away, but their dim sum was delicious. So Jade Court, it's, yeah, it in, still lives on in Hyde Park. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, That's a good you know, one. she's somebody. You know, Phoenix. You know, everybody yeah. knows yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, we've been but to Phoenix. Yeah, they they've actually they're the families who ran Phoenix. Oh, okay. So, but Jade Court, I highly recommend. Great. Yeah. Favorite fast food? Uh, so <laughs> I love like Italian hoagies. Yeah. Or they call it subs in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Conde did Savoy. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's my go to. Yeah. That, that's my favorite. I, I love JP Graziano's, mm-hmm. but it's walking distance from my house. Yeah. Yeah. So I get the Frank extra meat. Okay. It has the pickled eggplant in there. Okay. It has prosciutto, fresh mozz. And the Frank, actually. Oh, yeah, the, the Frank. Frank. Okay, it's, time to it's do actually, it. Yeah, it's actually, it's cold and hot. They press it oh, so nice. slightly. Oh, the Frank. It, All right. It is delicious. Okay, great. Love that spot. All right, what trivia category would you dominate? <sighs> Anything sports. No, basketball trivia sports. Okay. Yeah. Who's your team? I mean, oh. Bulls. The Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> You work with question. Jordan. Yeah. What are you talking about? That'd be so funny. Yeah, you're like, not the Bulls. Um, yeah. 76ers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what advice would you give to a young chef who, with the work ethic that you had? I, I would say, you know, I always quit. Like, I love sports. And people always talk about know who came before you. Uh, I would highly recommend a lot of the young aspiring chefs to, to know who became before them to know who you want to work for you know a couple of the things that i ask in interview questions if they aspire to be chefs it's like hey who are your five favorite chefs that you want to work for yeah and usually they can't if they'll do two mm-hmm. then they can't uh, you know give me the other three so read know uh, chefs and be able to also go out to eat and train your palate. Mm-hmm. That's good advice. Yeah. Who would be your five right now? Contemporary chefs. Uh, I mean, let's see. You know, it, I would love to like, if I was like 26, like I want to work for somebody who does Italian pastas, right? Like, uh, Tony Montuano or, you know, Sarah Gutenberg's, you know, somebody new, yep. um, yeah. um, who else, um, somebody who's Spanish that I want to learn from, um, I'm trying to think about all the Spanish restaurants here, but yeah. I, I, I want cuisines and wh- whoever does it the best, mm-hmm. um, you know, also like New York city, Gramercy Tavern to me, like is the restaurant that I want to work for. It's Michael Anthony or Tom Colicchio back in the day. Um, I wish I had a, a chance to work for John George because I think he's, you know, and Daniel Ballou, you know, people like that, that's lasting, not flash in the pan, mm-hmm. like somebody who's well-established and done well for themselves and go beyond restaurants. Cool. You're going to have a lot of interviewees mentioning these names now. yeah exactly <laughs> um all right last question yeah. what is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you 
Uh, well, one thing Just I'm, one I'm question, I yeah, I think the one thing yeah. I'm very particular about is like cleanliness of somebody's bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's like, you've got to have that. Like that tells you everything about yeah. the place. Yeah. It, yeah. It might be indicative of the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's so, just the entire establishment. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's, that's very important for, for me. And, you know, I guess read the room, right? When you're having a conversation with somebody, just don't tell me about the specials yet. Like, read the room. Like, I, I, I don't go off that often, but sometimes you're like, wow. Because I come from that background of, you know, reading the room and knowing when to, to come in. Mm-hmm. But that's... Yeah, you don't like the interrupting waiter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it can get aggressive. Yeah, I, I, I agree yeah. with that one. And sorry, the real last question. Yes. What's your go-to cocktail order? My cocktail is a mocktail, usually sparkling okay. water, Topo Chico, and some kind of fresh lemon juice, or not lemon juice, uh, orange juice, or okay. cranberry juice. I mean, I do drink, um, but I can't tell you that the last time, like, I went to a bar. I don't. The last time I probably went to a bar was probably the store back in the early to to really, you know, do what you do sometimes at the bar after uh, after Trotters. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we would we would go there. Just Halstead and Armitage, right? Yeah. yeah. Is the store still there? Yeah. Yeah. Store nice. is a classic. Yeah, I do another field trip. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> that, I probably haven't been in fifteen years, yeah. ten years. So that bar is the reason why. I've never ever like want to get like hungover. Yeah. Because one day we all got hungover and went to work. Oh. And I had to run on the alley to burn off the alcohol because I was so afraid I was going to get fired. Oh. So we were running and doing push ups <laughs> before Charlie came in because I didn't want to smell like alcohol. But that was in my early 20s. I think it makes make you smell more like alcohol. <laughs> I just had to do something to burn that thing oh off. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, um, but if you were, you know, like for, if you were having your ideal cocktail at a time Moscow. that you actually, okay, so something, uh, Moscow. something Moscow or some kind of tequila. And like refreshing, fruity, what are yeah. we talking about? Always, always refreshing, something with mint or cool. uh, some kind of citrus, but always right, that refreshing. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a good amount of info yeah. that I have to work with now. Yeah. Um, well, great. Yeah. Do you have any uh, last remarks, things you want to say that you didn't get to say? No, I, I think I'm I'm very proud to be uh, a Chicagoan, being part of our community, the hospitality, restaurants, bars. Um, I think the one thing that people always mistaken our businesses for is beverage or food. It's really not. It's about people, mm-hmm. and I think people is what makes our business. And, and times are tough now, and I think it's. No, we're we're not out of the woods, and I just wish everybody luck and 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 share the knowledge and pass it on and help each other because um, we all need that and support each other. So yeah, well, Chicago's really lucky to have you. Yeah, yeah well said. And that 
concludes our conversation with Chef Bill Kim. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week for a fresh new episode. Also, be sure to check out the Joiners Instagram account at Joiners Pod for throwback Thursday photos of each guest, as well as a cocktail specially crafted for each guest by our very own Danny Shapiro. This episode was produced by Matt Haddock and music done by Captain Cuts. Thanks for listening. Until next week. week.